0: I remembered I said you either put your phone away or you can leave. And I was setting my boundary there and then. Right? You don't ever have to do anything you don't want to. Yeah. Like you can be like stark naked, like we were naked mm. and we were making out. Like but as soon as someone says no, mm-hmm. it stops. Mm-hmm.
1: Hey, it's Jasmine and you're listening to I Wish Someone Told Me, a podcast on sex from an Asian perspective or from those who have lived or are currently living in Asia. On today's episode, I will be talking to Nina. We spoke about all things Tinder and casual hookups, how to set strong boundaries and sticking to it, a conversation that is really important and one that I am very happy that we touched on. Her views on being an ally to the LGBTIQ community, and her powerful advocacy work with sexual harassment. I really enjoyed talking to Nina because she is incredibly open to sharing her experiences and is super sex positive, which is what this podcast is all about. I hope you're excited! Hi everyone. We have Nina and Nina and I we actually met on Tinder and we matched on Tinder and we went out once and I was just like I told her I am doing this podcast and I really really want you to be a part of this podcast. So, Nina, welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Tell our listeners who are you and what do
0: you do? Oh man. <sighs> I hate having labels. (laughs) That's the one thing that I hate. But I want to say I have been always sex positive. I actually started a lot of IGTV videos Mm. talking about my sexual experiences. It was just to kind of normalize the conversation of sex. And it was really nice to have feedback from younger women to know that they're not alone. And it shouldn't be something to be ashamed about.
1: I I watch your videos and I like that it's really storytelling. Like you're like, this is my experience. And you know, and I feel like also with the comments, a lot of women resonated with it. I
0: think it was really nice. I think it was just kind of like the way that I created it is really raw, right? There was nothing edited. It was just me sitting down as if I'm talking to you right now. Like in this podcast, we're just hanging out, unless it was just like my phone in front of me and I'm just talking. And I think it was just something I really started out to like Catch up people with on like what I'm doing in my dating life or just stories from like my past where I wanted my younger audience to Mm -hmm. know what it feels like and what to prepare for. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think by having the conversation being so easy and free flowing, people felt safer and we can actually spark a conversation versus, you know, having like you say, we're trying to break the taboo. That's the beginning of like it, right? Mm -hmm. We need to just start. And it was really great.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's why, that's why I started this, this podcast too. It's just to have a conversation and break the taboo and invite really amazing sex-positive people to come on and, and to talk. So did you grow up all your life in Malaysia? What was that like, your childhood?
0: Okay, so majority of my life was overseas. Mm-hmm. I think I spent more time overseas than back home. But Malaysia's always home. So I think it was really interesting in that aspect of growing up in very predominantly white communities where I've noticed a lot of open communication within families, where things like sharing feelings is normal. While I've noticed once I come back home, it's it's not even prevalent in our like culture. It doesn't matter what race you're from, it's just an Asian, I would say, value is that we don't talk about our feelings. Mm. It's something that you're not really nurtured mm-hmm. in. And because of that, it's very difficult for, I think, a lot of adults right now to express themselves, even sexually.
1: Yeah. How is how is that? So that's like culturally, when you grew up with... I mean, in two, where was it that you... Was it? Uh, Canada. Canada. So yeah. you grew up in Canada. I know yeah, culture is different compared to Malaysia,
0: but how is that in your household? Like with your parents? I think it was really hard because they obviously wanted to instill a lot of Asian values within me, but then I'm having the external factors, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like going over to friends' houses. I'm seeing how other people are living and then questioning our own, being like, well, why can't we talk about these things? Yeah. And, you know, you always come back with, because it's always how it is. That's how tradition is. Mm-hmm. You just stick to the same mindset for generations and generations. And then during my time of after high school, and university mm-hmm. like I moved to other countries I was in Switzerland Holland and even Australia so like I think I've always been independent on how I've viewed things mm-hmm. and I never really was swayed I want to say my own my own household specifically branching out from just my mom and my dad was that you know my aunts and my uncles are still very traditional divorce doesn't exist in my household I'm <laughs> the only one that is <laughs> I am divorced you know it's such an uncomfortable topic that no one talks about it mm. not once has my family actually asked how are you right. through it all
1: that's really interesting because my family is very different my family is i come from a generation of divorces So, like, my parents were were divorced, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, like, everybody literally are fucking divorced. So, like, that's why I'm, like, very, very scared of getting into marriage. Not because I'm scared of marriage itself, but I just am afraid of relationships failing. So I'm really, really picky and,
0: you know... Which is fair, which is completely fair. I think that's why it's so interesting, right, from different backgrounds. if like if you keep seeing that where, like, I guess because I've always noticed, I won't even say like healthy relationships, but I want to say committed relationships Mm -hmm. that you see that you don't give up on your partner. I think my aunt and uncle, one of them had a really cute relationship. They've been together since she was 16. Mm. First boyfriend, first love. Married for over 25 years. Mm-hmm. They don't have children. But, you know, it's something where when you look at things like that in our generation, that's like, is that even a possibility anymore? How you have your mindset of, like, being scared of, you know, mm-hmm. we don't even know what's happening <laughs> 10 years from now. right? And yet, yes, for them, it's like, no, you make a choice. You have committed in your vows mm-hmm. till you know, sickness and in health, mm-hmm. death do us part. And I thought about it, you know, like, is there... Do you just stick by even when the love is gone, right? That's something that's really important. And so many people always joke about it. Like, oh, yeah, once you get married, there's no more sex. And then you're like, well, (laughs) that's what I'm looking forward to in marriage is no more. Like, there's no more passion. There's no more physicality. And even in my own marriage, that's kind of what happened. Mm. How long were you married? For I want to say over two and a half years. And, um... But we were together for around four years. Mm -hmm. And I think even living with my partner, it was something that was... Oh, we did a lot of growing up Mm -hmm. because we did it in our early 20s. I felt we didn't even know what the fuck we were doing. How old are you this year? I'm 27. Okay. So we... I guess we we thought we were adults. I think that was how Mm -hmm. we believed we were. And when it came to things of like our sexual needs... Of course, we were like fucking rabbits when we first started. I think with anyone, it's like, you know the honeymoon phase? Mm -hmm. Like, you can't keep your hands off each other. But then, once marriage hit, there were so much other stresses involved. It was no Mm -hmm. longer just you, me, I like you, let's fuck. It's like, what about the bills? What about our future? Are we having children? And then, like, it felt as if, like, real life hit. And then that whole romanticized idea of somebody... Kind of disappears.
1: Yeah, and also like as human beings, is that we are novelty seekers. Mm-hmm. That like whatever in the beginning, because well, the reason why we fuck ra- like rabbits was because everything was exciting, everything was new, and mm-hmm. everything was shiny and bright. And then to the middle of the relationship, it's just like oh, you know, it's you kind of fall into a routine. You still care for each other. It's not like you don't. But, like, everything falls into routine and everything becomes mechanical. And, like, sex just becomes, like,
0: oh, it's a thing that we do if we feel like it. Right. And I think for the longest time that made me really question myself and monogamy. Mm. Like, that really put a lot of things in perspective, right? Like, it's not even a thought process of, like, oh, shit, I'm stuck with one person for the rest of my life. And Mm -hmm. it was also, like, well... I've always believed that there's a lot of love to give. Mm-hmm. I've always believed that. Polyamory is something that I'm not sure if I would actually ever give, give myself a chance to do. Because the biggest fear for me is that, okay, well, what if I enjoy it too much?
1: Mm. And what it, it's the same thing.
0: You you still have to take care of your partners. Yeah. And it's now not just one. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be multiple.
1: Yeah, and, and for, like, for those listening, polyamory, basically, if you break the two words, poly means a lot, and amory is just from the word amor, which is love, so it's, like, many loves.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's a fantasy, right, on porn, they go, they show you threesomes, I don't know how many titles they tell you, like, all these, like, interesting sexcapades, but... Yeah it's more much more than that. Like, we're human. Mm-hmm. Jealousy is involved. Trust is involved. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of
1: aftercare. There's a lot yes. of caring. You know, you only see the beautiful part of like having fucking amazing sex and sure, like, that could be or could, be, could not be. But there's a lot of caring of all the partners, making sure everyone's happy and making sure that you're able
0: to be fair for everybody. Right. Like, and that's the problem, right? Is that, when feelings are involved that gets really really messy really quick Mm. for example there are so many examples of it right i mean there could be like a couple introducing someone into your life Mm -hmm. right to either spice up the life the sex life or even just experimenting which is totally fair but then we also have to recognize that the person that's being introduced also has their own background and feelings. Mm. and what happens? What happens when feelings get involved and they start falling for someone within the couple? Mm. And, you know, it co- it talks about a lot of consent and boundaries. I think this talks about a lot of communication and understanding within yeah, you know, actually, each party. Yeah,
1: actually, since we're talking about that, this kind of like a really good segue to the second question is what is your, your tip on how to safely, consensually, and respectfully explore your sexuality? Especially with the people that... You know, like consent,
0: uh, casually
1: that you meet. What's your tip on that?
0: Okay, you know, a lot of even I think world problems can be solved if people were just honest, yeah. <laughs> just from the get go, <laughs> you know, like I, I see a lot of girls hate it, like on dating apps where they say, "Ugh, all they wanted to do was fuck," mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Wouldn't you rather have known now?" then going on a date and then they expect it from you that unspoken expectation yeah i prefer that someone is up from being like hey these are my boundaries i'm not here for anything emotional mm-hmm. i'm here just for the physicality if you are unable to detach yourself from that i don't think we're a best fit yeah that sort of communication is already giving you someone your boundaries your trust and knowing that this is what is expected of you and me, mm. and but a lot of people don't have that understanding, right? Because some mm. people have this romanticized idea of I can change that, mm. <laughs> I will be that yeah. person. <laughs> that
1: is <laughs> the know? issue that a lot of people have, and I I don't know about about men, but like I mean, for women, I. I, for one, can speak from experience where I'm just like, I can change this person. I will make this person better. Because especially when they say like, oh, yeah, like previous relationship
0: wasn't good, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be the good one. Right. Like you haven't met me yet. Yeah, <laughs> You haven't sure. experienced me yet. And I think <laughs> because of that um, expectations, right, mm. we need to be clear about it from the get go.
1: And sometimes they're not even going to tell you, like, this is my boundary. This is no. what I want. Sometimes they just be like, I just want to fuck. I don't want a relationship. That yes. it is in itself. is already,
0: yeah, they're actually telling you. You just have to really read it. It's either you accept it right. or you ignore it. And ignoring it's not really the best for you, especially someone who would be emotionally invested mm. in someone who clearly is emotionally unavailable. Coming from that, I had a great experience on Tinder here. I was so adamant of letting all the guys, you know, know at the time I just want something casual. But at the time I knew myself, it wasn't like I was lying to myself. I mm-hmm. really just wanted to have sex. <laughs> like, yeah. And because of that, I think a lot of the guys who were on Tinder were also great that this was kind of the expectation. Obviously, they have fears as well, right? It's not that. They always think or assume that certain girls would say that to be acting like cool or like, yeah, I can keep it casual but not catch feelings. Yeah. but And that's probably the case that's for, like, for a lot, for a majority. For a lot of the guys, yeah. Yeah. And even for girls, right? They always mm-hmm. want to, they always assume like, right, if I don't say that I'm into sex, guys or won't be interested in me. Mm. But at the same time, the right person will always respect your boundaries yeah. and understand what you need from them. Mm-hmm. Um, with me, I think the main thing is, oh, there were certain boundaries that I was not okay with. Like, yeah. for example, oh, this was a few years ago. Ooh, like, I think I was like, my, yeah, almost 20. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Mm-hmm. And... This guy, like, I met him on Tinder, and I was just down. Like, it wasn't even, like, hey, so I'm, like, in your area, let's fuck. And I'm, like, yeah, you know what? I'm down. Mm-hmm. He, as we were, like, making out, he whips out his phone. And I'm about to go down on him. Oh, my God. Like, yes. I don't know this guy, right? Like, like I met him, like, 20 minutes ago. Right. And he's already wanting to record it. And I'm, like, yo, what the fuck? And he was just, like, oh, come on. Like, babe, like, let's just do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, no. I, I don't fucking know you. And you already know, right, the circulation of what's been happening with V2K and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, this is already, like, what, seven years ago? This was close to a decade ago. That shit was already happening, right? Mm-hmm. And I remembered I said, you either put your phone away or you can leave. And I was setting my boundary there and then, right? You don't ever have to do anything you don't want to. Yeah. Like, you can be, like, stark naked. Like, we were naked mm-hmm. and we were making out. Like, But as soon as someone says no it stops Mm -hmm. we don't need that whole form of convincing like i never want anyone to ever felt like guilt tripped into having sex with someone yeah i've heard it made way too many times and i've also succumbed to it when some guy would tell you oh but i'm horny like come on babe like Mm. you're gonna give me blue balls i'm yeah oh god uh, that's the main one i'm allergic to condoms <laughs> i am clean see there's nothing on you can me. trust I me i don't believe in condoms <laughs> yeah you can trust me it's like i don't give a fuck man like yeah. in my head if we are all sexually active on this app mm-hmm. you're wrapping it there's no point we're gonna spread it look if we all enjoy the same thing let's keep everybody safe yeah like fucking hell what like, did the guy said when you say no? Like what happened after that? With this specific guy, mm-hmm. I, he said fine. Like I even made him put the phone down, face down, on a table, like far away from the bed. Mm. And um funny enough, after all that we actually became friends. <laughs> I wanna say that growing up, my tolerance of misogyny, men, and disrespect have just dwindled mm. <laughs> Like I really don't stand for bullshit anymore. And as even just a couple years ago of late, of even being on Bumble here and Tinder, it was a journey. I want to say it's a journey to, you know, I understand, I want to say the beginning of it, it's always been considered a dating app. But hookup culture is very prevalent. It's very new. Yeah. And... You know, I always thought that Malay—it's
1: hookup culture is not an Asian thing or a Malaysian thing. I think this was when I, just, I was in a long-term relationship for four years. And after that, I was curious sexually I just want to Mm. fucking explore and so I was like okay let's check out Tinder and it's so
0: alive and well hookup culture in Malaysia yeah you know okay the thing is right the problem in Asian cultures I want to say the only thing that makes us less active is just based on our housing situations for a lot of people Mm. I'm very blessed that I've been on my own Mm -hmm. since I was in early like my late teen years but I can only imagine the only reason why is like You don't want to bring a girl home when your parents are right Mm -hmm. next door. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) number one, it's really embarrassing. And two, like, I cannot imagine what people's parents are thinking. I mean, at our economy and what we're dealing with, people can't afford a place of their own. Yeah. Right? So. For sure. Mm -hmm. Where do you have sex? Right? So Staircase. (laughs) (laughs) Hotel. Right. Hotels. I mean, we're not as open for example compared to like the sex hotels in japan or Mm, in korea i wish we had that here we i wish it was still more open but unfortunately we are in a country that's so predominantly you know having this religious agenda Mm. (laughs) into place and and that really is disheartening because we should not place religion in the sense of even exploring sexuality i think things that you cannot ever deny that from someone's religion that they are not thinking about sex. You mm. can't say, right, because I'm Muslim, mm. I have never had a desire yeah. to be touched. We're all human. We're all human, right? At the end yeah. of the day, like, I'm pretty sure someone would like to be held or embraced. The whole concept of like, this is just meant for your husband is kind of like, it, that kind of freedom was taken away from you before you even know what it meant. Even educating people now it's very hard because it's ingrained for mm. generations but i'm hopeful i'm hopeful too i'm hopeful too yeah.
1: it's just about unlearning a few a lot of the things right i remember like when i was when i was doing this workshop and i was talking about pleasure and you know two of my participants were just like i didn't know that women can feel pleasure i always thought that my sexuality is for men that like sex is just for the my husband's pleasure so it was really nice to have them just kind of be like oh you know maybe, maybe it's not easy to sort of unlearn everything and just sort of practice it, but just having this power to be empowered to have this knowledge and just slowly going through the practices and
0: right i I think it's just more of like the shame that's always been involved in it, right again, we aren't an open community; we don't talk about these things, yeah, so everything a lot of people I know just hearing or having conversations is through porn. That's your main source of education. And then which you... Is bad. Right. Because you try to emulate it. Mm-hmm. You try to think that, right, if a girl is not moaning or crying in that way, then you're not doing it right.
1: Mm. Which is
0: not true. Or you have to have such derogative terms, mm. you know, to your partner. And... It's very performative. It's very performative, but they don't know that, right? Right.
1: If that's your only... That's why we're here to talk about it, guys. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We need to tell everybody that
0: porn is not real. Porn is performative. It's performative, you know? Mm. And I think it's very hard when you're so desensitized from it. Like, I've been watching porn for now close to a, a decade. And I had to take time off it for a while because... It came to a point where nothing could get me off. You realize you have to go for, like, harder, crazier things. Yeah. So vanilla sex wasn't a thing anymore. For example, like, and not everyone is really to, like, translate that into your real life Mm -hmm. where missionary is the only (laughs) Mm -hmm. go-to position. And that scared me as a person where I said, I don't want to have to go to extreme measures Mm -hmm. to just find pleasure.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: You know, that's that's not it. I don't I don't want to always have to have so much prep work involved mm-hmm. just to have an orgasm. That's so stressful. Like I would be scrolling on like Pornhub for mm-hmm. an hour. That is so easy though. <laughs> just to find a video, you know. I- you know, with a good context, like a good yeah. background, good acting. Good storyline. <laughs> storyline. But have
1: you, have you watched any um, female-centric porn? Have you ever
0: seen this? Yes, I have. So it's so interesting, right? Like, I've delved into some things where I wish I never saw. Mm. Um, and it's kind of, like, seared into my brain. There are mm. certain things where I'm like, well, it's too late now. You know, kinds of people who go in a dark web and, like, search mm. up snuff films. You come to that point. Like, I've yeah. gone to, like, the really dark dark parts of porn okay so this is such an interesting one that i only started kind of getting into but it's like really weird but like also fun in some weird way it's the wrestling have you ever Mm, seen those i actually met someone who does that okay it's so interesting so it's like a wrestling game and it's kind of like trying to make the other person come first
1: Oh, okay. No, I yes. did not meet someone. Who okay.
0: does that. <laughs> so it's like a really weird thing where it looks like an MMA ring mm. and you're on the floor and you're wrestling someone and trying to like take their clothes off and like fuck. And who wins is the person who can get the other person off first. It was such a weird one and like I was like, huh. that's interesting. Right. Like I was interested because I'm like, this is something. I am new. going to find this. What is this called? Like wrestling, sex wrestling? Yeah, just sex wrestling? I need to find <laughs> I'm just like, what is this thing? Yeah, Right. And like, so, okay. Like I said, I really hate labels. Mm-hmm. If we had to label me, I'm Pam. Mm-hmm. So... What does that mean? Pansexuality basically means that I do not give a fuck about gender when mm-hmm. it comes to even my partner sexuality. Like, sexually or emotionally. I want to say the genitalia itself is not the most important thing for me as a person. I want to say it's always been important where i connect on a soul level right? how, how, how does it differ from bisexuality okay so bisexuality where it's that you are attracted to males and females mm-hmm. um, meaning you can have a boyfriend or a girlfriend at any given time but you are also not interested in the transgender community as well while i am Okay. For me, it's never been a problem. It's never like I, I don't understand, but maybe because I enjoy just people, mm-hmm. <laughs> even sexually, it has never crossed my mind that it's a problem, even though people think it is. Mm. So, when I remember when I spoke about it, even years ago, that I was really into like transgender porn, yeah, and then there was always had that misconception that I was bi, mm. and then they're like, oh wait do you like transgender people because they're best of both worlds right and I'm like well no not really I never thought about it that way right Mm -hmm. and I think I have never had the opportunity to fall in love with someone who's transgender Mm -hmm. that has not come into my life just yet but I think exploring that part of me gave me the recognition of who I am as a person and really love becomes borderless in that aspect because there's so much stigma against the transgender community in a lot of countries, but here, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness. Yeah, especially here. Especially (laughs) here. The LGBTQ community is just very misunderstood. And I want to say the people misunderstand it is because you fear the unknown. And there's always that concept where it's as if you can catch it like a disease. Mm. You can catch it like COVID. A gay man stares at you. Oh my God, you're gay now? Mm. Please. Do you know what I have a theory? My theory is mm. that there's some straight men or women and they're terrified that when they're put in a position, they can't fight it. Mm. I think they're kind scared of, they of themselves. Lose power? Yeah, they are power? I think they're scared of knowing whether they like it or not. Mm. That's what they're scared of. But they're so adamant that you know their sexuality is only one way when mm. it can be fluid and i think that's why people are homophobic to begin with yeah like for example me coming out to certain girls like and they just automatically assume that i'm undressing them with my eyes number 1 that's i would say that's a sex offender <laughs> if they did that but we all have preferences right like yeah. shit i'm sorry to like get you off your high horse But maybe you're not hot to me. It's all subjective, Wait, Is that something that they say to you? Like, you can see that they get really uncomfortable. Or they'll just, like, if you're even at a party or if you're, like, at a sleepover, they would go to the other room. They would start... You already know that they want to change. They don't want me to see them. Because they're already going to think, I'm going to view them as something sexual. Yeah. Well, in reality, it's like, (laughs) oh my goodness. Like, do you think we can't keep our hands to ourselves? Like, do you Mm -hmm. think, like... I hate using the trigger word, but rape, Mm -hmm. right? Like in a locker room with some gay man coming from the gym and then working out. And then they're going to see you in the locker room with your towel. They're going to already automatically fantasize about you. We all have preferences. Like what if he's into like a bear and you're like the size of a twink, (laughs) you know, the straight community view people from the LGBTQ community is so warped. How can you understand something that you're not a part of? Yeah. Right? I want to get into
1: just really quickly before the because of time. I want to get into Sesh. Right. So
0: Sesh is something that you was it you and your friends who co-founded it? So it, it was my friends who co-founded it. So it's a sexual harassment awareness um, organization. Well, they started off wanting to have safe spaces for individuals to come and talk about um, what has happened to them even i agree and i believe that therapy is not for everyone sometimes you just need to have your story be heard to be part of the healing process your sexual harassment yes. stories mm-hmm. um when it comes to being sex positive it's unfortunate to know that there's also a dark side yeah to it when people break things such as boundaries and consent. Mm. And then this is why stories like these happen Mm -hmm. and why experiences like these, you know, mold people. And it creates such a unhealthy view of sex when it's something super beautiful. I'm also, I hate the word, but we'll use it in this term, a survivor Mm -hmm. of many accounts of sexual abuse and harassment. Yeah. And Yet I still view sex as something positive. It's so human. It's so organic. But what we do is basically create the awareness here, because just like how you are saying in your podcast, or what you do as a person is to let Malaysians know that being sexual is normal, and we're on the other end. We're also saying it's also normal and to to be afraid, right? But there's also safe space to share that you have a community, mm. you know? It's it's hard when there's always these people who have fear, mm. right? You can never experience something healthy again. But I think we're also here to let people know that there is a chance and that there are people who are still out here living day by day with it. You Like your experiences don't define you. Yeah. And also, it's
1: interesting to also sort of say that when we think of sexual harassment, it's not just in person. Yes. And sexual harassment covers a whole lot of things like being harassed, I mean, being harassed in the office, being harassed in person, but also online when someone 100%. keeps on like texting you over and over again. Um, also on Tinder, you know, on dating apps when the person just does not want to, you know, quit it up to a yeah. point where, where they're just. Where you have to block them. Right. And harassment also, like, we always think that harassment is something like, I fucking want to do this to you. But sometimes they also say it in a nice way. They're like, please, come on, let's just do it. Oh, come on.
0: You're, like, so sensitive. It's basically pushing your boundaries. Yes. And I think that's one of the most important things I want to obviously educate people as well is that uh, this can also happen within relationships. Yes. Having a relationship does not mean that you are safe from being sexually harassed or even worse. The thing is with a lot of partners is that they assume they already have the right or access to your body because you're in a relationship. That does not mean anything. When you're in a healthy, loving relationship, they will understand your boundaries. And if some partner of yours says they are not in the mood to have sex, respect it. If someone says, stop, stop. And and especially when it comes to that, like people always, you know, aren't aware that this continues to happen in marriages. And when COVID happened, and of course the Women's Aid Org have notified that there's so many cases of abuse at home. And, you know, how are people aware of this? Because if you don't see it, how will you know? And we were under lockdown. And they we were constantly, these women were fighting their lives. You know, they were taking away their freedom of their body,
1: mm. their freedom
0: of a choice to have anything happen to them. And I think when it comes to body acceptance or even like that form of self-love, it is very difficult when we come from a society that tells you, you are really here for men. And it's been ingrained. I mean, look at our government and that Dorimon poster. <laughs> you know, that, that whole concept of like you have to... The reason why you're in this situation, the whole form of victim blaming is because you didn't please your husband. Mm. And that was very upsetting to see where it's like, why has it always been us trying to educate girls? take care of themselves to make sure that they are safe while on the other way we need to educate men to respect women in these you know terms in general really yeah right that a woman can be sexual but not sexualized there's a huge difference yeah there's a very very big difference and i hope that we are able to separate that Mm -hmm. it's very difficult because for example we are in a time of the digital age right where even um, sex workers need to find other means and only fans started happening and they have another platform to be a part of but then you have the other extreme of people saying like wow look at these don't like the word but the slur sluts mm. you know use their body for money but then here i am there's these the same people who complain are the people who consume it
1: yeah <laughs> that's the irony <laughs> oh yes very hypocritical
0: yeah always like I I can't imagine how many times I've heard that, Mm -hmm. right? From the male view or the male point of view. Yeah. Right? It's that, oh, I want my girl to be natural but would fawn over, you know, an Instagram baddie who has everything like from fake lips to fake boobs to fake ass. Mm. You know, that double standard where you've already given women this unattainable view. Like, you have to be slutty but not too slutty you have to be pretty but not too pretty because you're mine Mm. you also need to perform sexually well but not Mm. too well because then i think you're sleeping with too many people okay i know that my a lot of the things i say is very like very feminist but at the same time it's not a bad word i think a lot of things have been misconstrued on Mm. thinking that the feminazis who take on this whole thing of women are better than men i completely disagree I completely disagree with that comment. The whole point is that how can we break that realm of being sexually active and not be demeaned as something different? How is it that men can be so open about it, right? To each other, to their friends, to people in general, and it's celebrated. And yet with women, it's only considered accepted when you're trying to give life for example everyone celebrates a pregnancy but people yeah. forget well how did she get pregnant she clearly had sex <laughs> right like how did we get from point a to point b but right you don't celebrate her enjoying her body mm. you only enjoy the outcome which is right to produce that whole mindset is just yeah it's ingrained it's ingrained there's so many concepts right you get married you like have your partner you just pump out babies like like i said people forget that you can take pleasure in sex it's not just you know we're not in the animal kingdom in order to like spread the seed <laughs> you know yeah. we're one of the living beings yeah that can enjoy it yeah and my god i don't know it's okay. um
1: yeah L- let's change the conversation because yeah. <laughs> like it's all gloom and doom and also the weather right now is also like gloomy so i think it's like feeding on my mood i know <laughs> it's feeding on my mood too um I hear whatever you're saying, and I and I really like that you actually said that out and you, you know, it's kind of specify that. And in this conversation, so right now we're going into rapid fire. Sure. Question. Um, so, how old were you when you had your first
0: kiss? I was fifteen. Was it good? Was it bad? How was it? It was really natural. Oh. Um. Yeah. That's good. And I guess I didn't even know what was happening. And I don't know why I was so scared to have it. And then I think ever since then, I think it's one of my favorite things to do now. (laughs) Uh, Making out? Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things. Like, we can, like, not have sex and just make out. Your first orgasm. I was 17. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember it was one of my earlier boyfriend's who went down on me and that was the first time i realized that i only can get off with like clit stimulation Mm. instead of penetrative that was like the first time that i realized oh this is what it feels like in comparison to your first time where you don't even know what to expect and that was like (laughs) five
1: stars (laughs) great experience but also that's what porn tells women too and also men that the only way sex and pleasure can happen is through penetration but for the mm. for a lot of a lot of you know vulva owners that's not how we sort of have an orgasm probably about 70-80% of us need clitoral stimulation to get off
0: yeah And that was, that was great. I think, you know, I was very lucky, obviously, to experience it early to know my body and Mm -hmm. to, like, find out that this is what I like Mm -hmm. and be able to express that to my partner and be like, hey, I like when you do
1: this. When did you have your... So I don't like... So I'm changing this term, losing your virginity. I hate that because it's kind of like, yeah, this, like, idea of you lost something if you're not a virgin or pure or whatever. So... I want to change it to sexual debut. So <laughs> when did you have your sexual debut? And it can be anything. It could be like penetrative sex. It could be, you know, like, or I don't know,
0: whatever, fingering. Okay, so my my history, my sexual history was that a lot of my first was with my first boyfriend when I was 15. Everything, actually, almost everything. I think he was also the first person that introduced me to masturbation. So from that point, I actually had no idea what it was until him and I was very lucky to actually have sex without the knowledge of porn yet Mm. so I was very lucky that whatever I experienced was as organic and there was like zero expectations there was nothing that I was trying to live up to Mm. it was just what it was and that's what I really liked
1: That's beautiful. I watched porn ever since I was 10, so it kind of fucked me up
0: a bit. It sounds like (laughs) that.
1: Your best sexual experience?
0: Oh. (laughs) Uh, My best experience was this one guy that I met on Tinder. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in London. Swiping, swiping, swiping. Having a great time. And... I don't know. We just started hitting it up. We smoked up a bit. And when I smoke up, I get really horny. (laughs) And I asked him to come up to my hotel room. Mm. And he took out a box of condoms. Mm. No, we're not talking about the three-pack. We're talking about the Um, normal pack. The big pack. And I'm like, and I started laughing. My first reaction was like, what are you going to do with that? Mm. And he's like, we're going to use it. And I promise you, I have that was the one night to this day that i had multiple multiple orgasms like mm. nonstop wow. like my legs were jelly mm. <laughs> the next day <laughs> um it's amazing never saw him again Um, Was that the only time you guys met? That was the only time we met. Holy shit. Okay. And I even said, I'm like, I was like, fuck, you set the bar so damn high. Like, this is what I'm expecting from here on out, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think with him, he kind of set that benchmark of having someone really allow me to just go all out. Like, just Mm -hmm. unhibited. Just, you know, when you feel that climax happen, you just experience it wholly. Like, Mm -hmm. he allowed that. Mm. and that was really great and without any judgment yeah he was like we're just really here for a good time yeah and he was one of the first ones of like i probably had the most positive and mm-hmm. healthy experience of a and casual safe. hookup yeah and yeah. safe casual hookup right that respected that look we just really want to have fun but we're also keeping it safe like the fact that he brought the condoms was mm-hmm. also really nice to know that he wasn't even going to argue about it yeah he was like no safety is important safety is important
1: and i'm gonna be responsible and we're gonna be responsible at this
0: exactly
1: what's your worst one worst sexual experience (sighs) okay
0: so i had my little like (laughs) one of my mini hoe phases (laughs) during this time (laughs) so i had like dudes back to back okay it was horrible okay (laughs) in that aspect but this guy had an interesting No, not interesting fetish. He didn't really want me to touch him. Okay. I don't know. I was like... I feel like this is a game. Don't touch me. (laughs) No, like, I don't know. Do shit, but don't touch me. No, it wasn't. (laughs) It wasn't like that. Like, he just wasn't comfortable with touch. Okay. So I was like, okay. Like, I I respect that. Fine. But what I mean that was that he properly wanted to pleasure me. Hmm. Like, he didn't want me to do anything to him and I was thinking oh my god does he get off by just pleasuring me Mm. so he's sexually aroused when I'm finished I didn't have that experience until then it was only bad because it wasn't like he wasn't good at what he does. Like, when he went down on me, was fucking great. Yeah. But, okay, <laughs> So this is such a thing where I'm really sensitive to smell. He, like, had really stinky feet. <laughs> so, like, when he took off his shoes... That's used... really specific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah, so... Everything was good until he took off his shoes. Yeah, it was just, like, so it just stunk up the room. I know that sounds really fucked up, right? But, like... Yeah. You know when well, people, like, you know, have certain B.O.s and stuff, but, like, mm. it just was sweaty socks. Like, it just smelled of, like, Uh, really raw, like, ripe. Thank you for... Explaining that, <laughs> yeah, very wet, sweaty socks. like right. <laughs> that, that smell just lingered in the room, and I didn't know what to do. I was like, I'm gonna like come, and this is a smell that's gonna like complement my <laughs> situation. It was fucking nasty. Um, like, and you never told him of of me. Well, okay, see, that's the thing, right? I feel like body odor is something that I still have a struggle to tell people about. Yeah, I mean, how do you actually tell? Like,
1: dude, you stink.
0: <laughs> right, and it was you stink by? (laughs) my whole hotel room was just Mm. his feet smell you should tell him to just like put your shoes back on. It's too late, <laughs> and you have to sleep through it. Yeah. After that, oh fuck. I, well, and I you, sprayed my perfume though, but then it was a mixture of my perfume and that. And smell. you cannot even like air it out. You cannot even open the window. No, you can't because oh, it's a hotel room. Yeah.
1: Oh fuck. Um, okay, so we're going to the end. The last question: What is one thing you wish someone told you?
0: I think I wish someone told me that it's all in due time right you're not on the like race or on the clock in comparison to everybody else for example if your friends are already like sexually active and you're not you're not missing out it's just not your time yet and I think that comes with everything like even right now with myself I think career-wise I'm not as there (laughs) as a lot of my friends but I want to say that we gotta trust the process and I wish someone told me that, not to put so much pressure on myself to be something at certain times of my life. I think that would have helped me not feel so, I guess, anxious about it.
1: Mm. Mm. I love that. I think like especially when we're in our 20s, that's where we finish university and we see everyone sort of doing their own thing and succeeding and we just compare ourselves and it's just sucky because... As we are comparing ourselves, we don't really acknowledge or remember all the things that we've achieved.
0: Right. I I forget it all the time. Um, But my cousin's um, best advice, and I still have, she's told me this like more than 10 years ago. But she said, success is to your own. Like, Mm -hmm. whatever you believe success is, is yours to take and is yours to keep. And that could be anything. For example, some people, success means having a family others means having a place of their own mm-hmm. you know it doesn't have to be this so-called idealistic view of success where it's like we're making a shit ton of money you've made it what no. is your success i think i want to say finally being comfortable with myself mm-hmm. it's a very hard one and i think a lot of us are still on that journey mm-hmm. and i want to be able to like look at myself in the mirror and be okay with that what i see haven't had that yet And I'm still waiting on it, working on it. But that's something that I want. That's a good, that's like perfect end to this podcast. (laughs) Just like with with such a positive way of looking at life. Where can we find you on social media? We can find us on our sexual harassment um, Instagram handle, S-E-S-H underscore A-Y. Nina's Instagram is
1: private for the time being, but if you do want to have information of like, I just want to talk to Nina because she's super fucking awesome, because she is completely super fucking (laughs) awesome, you can always send me a message and I'll sort of connect you guys too. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for listening to the show. I Wish Someone Told Me is hosted and produced by Jasmine King with new episodes bi-weekly on Wednesdays. Follow I Wish the Part on Instagram so you won't miss any updates. And feel free to share your thoughts, reflections, and aha moments from this episode. Catch you later!